Orale. Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. This is your host, Jorge Martin. Familia, it's the off season. Super Bowl is passed, but you know, there's no rest. But I did I did do a little rest last week. Had I had a trip, a couple of trips that had to get taken care of, one family, one business. So uh, but we're here. It's the off season, and you know what? It also means draft season. The combine's coming up, and uh, you know, I had to just actually just bring on one of my buen amigos so to to really talk about it but first also i want to make sure you're going to familia ffb on youtube give us a like give us a subscribe por favor get it get us in there but uh you know what when it comes when it comes to the nfl draft familia it's that you know there's there's one, one of i mean luckily not only not only do I consider this person one of the smartest people I know when it comes to when it when it comes to the draft and one of the uh you know truly truly just one of one of the people who really follows the NFL the college football season and gives us great great content. I also consider him a compadre, a buen muy buen amigo. So you know what you guys know him at for whom J Bell tolls. I know he's cool because I know he's really cool because uh, in one of my one of my most competitive leagues, in fact, probably my most competitive league, non industry league, I I get like two three times a season I get tweets into our into our chat that are his tweets uh where people are like you know talking about how smart he is so uh, i know I, I know it's good i i actually have to tell tell the people yeah he's a friend of mine so he's my he's my buen amigo but hey you guys have seen him on the debbie royale you know he and christian williams and kevin coleman have really built something great at football guys they do the dynasty show he also does dfs content for him hey you know what let's bring him in mi amigo el jefe as i love to call him jeff bell mi amigo welcome home Jorge, thank you so much for the invitation and and the kind words and and you're far far too kind. I'm definitely not very cool at all. No, but that that's very cool. A, a very nice intro, and I really appreciate this time that we were able to get here. You know, prospect season is a special time of year. It only comes around once a year, and so the, to get, be able to dive in and talk about some of these incoming rookies, and hopefully be able to set you up for your rookie drafts, but also to get you ready for redraft season and to be able to kind of look forward on where the value is going to lie and who are you going to be able to grab to help those redraft teams and then that, and that's so true because you know we we've seen so and you know we're going to be talking about wide receivers today we've seen so many wide receivers over the last four or five years who've had either breakouts from the you know a few that have breakouts from the beginning obviously puka nakua last year but some that have break gradual breakouts during during the season and that to me is is what's really special that to me is what get you know getting people to think about this it makes it makes it really special and also I, the thing i love about it we're getting this before, you know, where it's, where you're such a tape grinder and you, you know, you grind the, the college football season as well as the, the NFL season. Um, and I think the, the great thing is it's, um, you're basing everything off of what we've seen and not, you know, what's his 40 time or what was his three cone drill and stuff like that, which those are great. But I, I mean, isn't it isn't it true you got you got to go off the tape right yeah absolutely and so so for the rookie guide um the football guys rookie guide is out you can get a free copy of that yes. just head over to footballguys.com you can do forward slash rookie guide or it's going to be a right on that main screen all you need to do is drop your email in and join the subscriber list and you're going to get a free copy of that rookie guide. We hit 152 rookies in our first edition this year. And so I covered the wide receivers. I did 65 wide receivers. And so that means I had eyes on 65 different wide receivers. I watched every bit of tape that I could potentially find on. I mean, for a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., it wasn't too difficult. But then when you start to dig down a guy like Jacob Coker or Ryan Flournay or some of these other guys, it can start to be really complicated to really find good film on them and so digging into those and being able to get eyes on and that's really was my basis of of for every single scouting report i wrote i, I watched every single player um, ranked one through 65 and uh, that was before the combine list was released and so i was kind of a little bit proud of myself in the, my process because i didn't know who was going to be invited to the combine how many players so there was about there was 38 wide receivers invited to the combine. Two of those players, Anthony Gold and, and Leatrick Griffin, are really kind of just there as kick returners. So if you kind of pair that down to 36, out of my organic rankings, 34 of the 36 invited to combine were in my top 36. And so I was a little bit proud of that. But um, no, that's that's kind of was the whole process to be able to watch through, to be able to look for traits. 
really look at projecting to what a player can do in the NFL. And that's really what I'm big on is what can we project this player is able to do in the NFL. And that, and to me, that is what is uh, truly special about this, uh, being able to sit down like this, because we, we're getting that insight, uh, you know, breaking those guys down. And Familia, definitely check out that prospect guide. I already, I downloaded it. I've got it downloaded on two computers and, and, and so I can keep referring back to it. But yes, you're right. You're first to market, but also not, not just, you didn't, there was no rushing in there. That, that was, that, that's really great analysis and it's bite, you know, it's bite size. So you can read it, you can read it in chunks. And so that, and that's, that's what I've been doing it. So really enjoy the, enjoy the work. You know, with with the combine coming up uh, next week, um, you know, who are you looking forward to kind of putting on a show out there? Roman Wilson is going to be the big one. And Roman Wilson had a great senior bowl, but I think he's going to have a fantastic combine. There's a couple of players, Jacob Coker. I already mentioned him from Holy Cross. I really want to see what he does. Um, Marcus Roseme, Jack Saint from Georgia. I think he can be a potential combine guy. So there's a handful of these deeper names that I'm really looking for to be able to raise their stock up a little bit. I don't know how much testing the top guys will do, but I really want to see a Troy Franklin from Oregon. I want to see oh, how yes. fast he runs um, because I think that he can run sub sub four, four. And so that's a six foot three, six foot four type guy that can go out there and run a sub four, four. That'll be really interesting. And then Xavier worthy from, Texas is another one that I think can absolutely blaze, but um, I think overall testing Roman Wilson, I think is going to be the guy that's primed to really stand out. It's not easy for you to say, cause that's a Michigan man. So, uh, Tell you yeah. what? Yeah. Gotta, so, that's if your cap, you know, I mean, you beat, they lose three <laughs> in a row and, and they beat Ohio state three in a row. You got to tip your cap to the program that they build. And, uh, now fortunately Jim Harbaugh is on to bigger and better things. And, and so hopefully Ohio state's able to get back in there a little bit. Well, you know, yeah, hopefully bring some of that magic to the Chargers because Justin Herbert, I, I'd hate to see, I'd hate to see him be the football version of Mike Trout and never make it to the playoffs. So, or yeah. never get to win a playoff game. So uh, that, that I, I definitely want to, you know, want, want to see his, his talent maximized. So uh, before we get into the, 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 uh, these kids, these, these rookies coming in, you know, the NFL season, the fantasy season, obviously the, the playoffs and the Super Bowl are in the very recent uh, rear view mirror. But, you know, with, you know, kind of like having some time to kind of like marinate and kind of like uh, think about what's, you know, what, what this completed season, is there kind of like a strategy or maybe kind of like a, you know, fun experiment that you're looking to kind of like go into the lab and, and study during the off season to kind of see if maybe something, something different, or maybe just to reinforce something is it could click for you in 2024. So if you go to my latest article on footballguys.com, it is uh, basically it's titled the perfect draft. And so essentially what I did in that article is we lose you, buddy. I'm here. I'm here. My light went out. So <laughs> Well, I was going to say that the perfect draft article, um, essentially I went back and, and kind of I reverse engineered what a championship winning roster would be in 2023, depending on where ADP. And so I kind of looked through ADP and, and divided up into 12 different sections, kind of built a team from scratch and, and to see what lessons you can learn on and apply towards next year on like what team would have won the championship. And, and so really the big lessons walking away from that, we, we know if you follow the fantasy football industry, but it's really big on, this is a wide receiver episode, but grabbing those wide receivers early was something that really shook out as being very important there. The breakout from a guy like Kyron Williams and some of these other guys where he mastered the value that you were able to grab on a running back. But this team really reinforced that because it's looking for highest scores in week 17, 16 and, and walking it back. Um, so that was big. And then a couple of other ones, just look for that ambiguity when it comes to backfields, when you look for those running backs, yes. like I mentioned, Raheem Moster and even Kyron Williams. We, a lot of us were convinced that it was going to be the Cam Akers show. But if you looked back at the usage for the Rams the previous year, Kyron Williams was starting to step in there in some of the passing downs towards the end of the season. It just was a very poor passing offense, so they wasn't really featured there. So kind of look for some of that ambiguity when it comes to the running backs. Um, the it, tight ends, it just has really gotten flattened. And so it's kind of one of those that Jason Kelsey has come back to the pack, but then you've also had more entrance and more tight ends stepping in there. A guy like Sam Laporta and, and David Njoku had a great year last year. Some of these other tight ends 
makes that a lot deeper. And so if you're not going to have any differentiation between one, Jason Kelsey or Travis Kelsey at the very, very top, Mm -hmm. but two, if you don't have those guys like Mark Andrews that are separating themselves from the pack, even as those tight end two and three and four, then it really devalues the position in general. And it's really just kind of becomes plug in a Jake Ferguson, whoever you're able to get at tight end 10, 12 or whatever in your league and kind of just move on and, and don't even worry too much about it there. So that's an interesting thing. Probably a real fade on tight end, I think is what the way that I'll approach, especially redraft next year. And then kind of quarterback had a little bit of it too, where some of these later quarterbacks really produced between Jordan Love, Dak Prescott had a really strong season. And so, and you had Patrick Mahomes come back to the pack and even Josh Allen as quarterback one was a little bit down from the previous year. And so some of the struggles with Jalen Hurts, you saw some flattening there. And so what it really taking away from that article was hammer those wide receivers early take lots of shots at running backs and grab upside quarterbacks and then tight end, you kind of just fill in. I think, I think you're right. I I'm, uh, it's funny. A lot of, a lot of the lessons I may be doing uh, one of the things I'm going to wait till the schedule comes out, but uh, I may be doing some platoon quarterbacks, uh, yeah. you know, just get and, and just try and hammer running back and wide receiver early. I mean, but definitely hitting heavy on wide receiver, always making sure that there's having a wide receiver in the flex position, because I think those are, that's where the greatest value is coming from. And there's so few running backs that are going to be worth, you know, putting in a, you know, putting in a, you know, as, as a third running back on a roster. So, uh, I love, I love what you were saying. Yeah. And the, and the tight ends, it's how many guys come back to earth, you know, come back to earth a little bit you know um but i i'm i'm pretty yeah i'm i i think i'm really excited about um what you were saying about the about the receivers and but and i think this year didn't it didn't it show you got to get quarterback i mean you got to get running back right you you, in some way shape or form even if you don't get a mccaffrey you gotta you gotta figure out some of those guys some of those guys and take your shots as much as possible yeah, absolutely. Completely agree with that. And yeah, I mean, if you grab Kyron Williams, you got pretty lucky and, and there were some other deep ones you could grab as, as well. I think, I think Kyron Williams, you know, kind of, I, I know Christian McCaffrey was on more championship teams, but Kyron Williams was right behind him and Kyron Williams was a stud all three of those plan, you know, championship weeks and, and Christian McCaffrey was okay in week 17. Champ, yeah, you know, championship. So he was, I mean, he was on those teams that was playing in the championships, but how many have actually he delivered because he had that great matchup against the commanders, but then he, he really had a subpar showing for what he normally did. And so if you really built your team around him and so like that perfect draft, I didn't even have Christian McCaffrey on my team. I ended up with CD lamb as my number one pick on yeah. that team because you ending up as the wide receiver one, he was within the top 12 of ADP and he had the biggest week in week 17. And so that's kind of the way that it shook out. And you know what? And and it's one of those things you could have maybe paired him with Lamar Jackson, you know, you you know, several rounds later and he was, he's, he exploded in week 17. So no, it's, it, I mean, it, it, there is luck factor, but yeah, you're definitely making your own luck when it comes, when it, when it comes to that. So, uh, no, uh, that, that's, that's cool. So, um, you know, one uh, there is one question I I, I want to get into um, since we're going to be talking about rookie wide receivers, and you talked about the rookie breakouts a little bit, uh, but I, I know we can't expect Puka Nakua a Puka Nakua type of season to break out uh, anytime. I mean, you know, people liked him last year, but you know, nobody believed he would be go for almost fifteen hundred yards. But is there something that that you know that 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 people that fantasy managers should look at for for the rookie breakouts um you know kind of a lesser extent with some of the other guys opportunity i mean opportunity i think is really was the bedrock for puka nakua we we knew especially coming into that when you when you saw cooper cup was going to start the season on ir and you had heard some of the summer summer rumblings on puka nakua and you look around there and and you know 
people wanted to wish cast with Van Jefferson that that might actually happen or didn't really have an answer for what that wide receiver room would look like with with Cooper Cup starting the season on on IR and especially the questions on even when if you flash back to that last August when it was announced he was going to go on IR there were questions of is he even going to play this year and so like seeing that breakout that that opportunity there and then the opportunity for a guy like Tank Dell or the opportunity for Rasheed Rice relative to really kind of the lack of opportunity for a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba or Quentin Johnson. Some of these players that were sitting at the top of the class that got drafted into situations we knew they would be concerning situations. Once you stepped into the redraft arena, people still wanted to take them as the top receivers because they were drafted as the top receivers and kind of overlooking some of those rookies that landed in the better spots. And I think that that's a mindset that we've long had with running backs that you really were looking for those running back. The opportunity makes a big difference at running back. But I think traditionally there's been a little bit of that learning curve with the wide receiver position, but I, I think you're seeing more polished prospects yes. come in at the wide receiver position ready ready to contribute earlier and so later draft picks are able to contribute early earlier relative to having that big learning curve and having some of those more complexities in an nfl offense some of those schemes have flown down even in high school and even before high school so these kids have gotten into those opportunities to play in those schemes but they're comfortable and a lot of it too is the different spacing in the nfl game where you're dealing with a lot more the, the ability to create spacing off routes, the ability to get the ball in space and allow a wide receiver to create on his own. Those types of things have been major changes in the game versus it wasn't that long ago. And especially when we were growing up watching the game, you would need to have these big receivers outside and it would yep. have these corners and bump and run coverage. And you needed a Drew Bledsoe and he was going to try to jam it into that six foot four wide receiver trying to fight through bump and run coverage. You just don't see that anymore. No, that, that's awesome. And you know what? And and it brought me to a it brings me to a question that I have lower in the show doc, but I'm I want to bring it up to you right now. With this wide receiver class being so loaded, and the the running back class, so many people are talking about the running back class is you know is not. I mean, we obviously will find some people based on opportunity, but I'm reminded of something that Lev Bell said a few years a couple years ago that if he had it to do over again, he would have come up as a receiver. Are we seeing the better athletes that may have gravitated to running back? Are they starting to come up as receivers? Because we're starting to see some wide frame guys that, you know, kind of like A.J. Brown, 6'2", 210, 215, something like that. Guys like that. Is, are we, and guys that may have been running back before. Is, are we seeing those guys kind of gravitate to, to, um, to receiver a little bit more? So for a, Yes. And, and for a long time, for a long time, the way high school f football functioned for a lot of high school football programs was essentially you wanted to put your best athletes on defense and then have your best athlete at running back. And you wanted to have a stifling defense and have that running back and have that guy go off and then have a strong defense to prevent the off the opponent's offense from going off. And so what we've seen, and it's really kind of been over the last 20 years or so, I go back to Joe yeah. Tiller's offenses with Purdue and kind of thinking like there and it's really kind of flowing up Texas is where a lot of this flows up from and you go into Texas high school football almost all of those programs are playing spread offense now and so what you're you're seeing you're not only having the movement of the running back kids are seeing the way that running backs are paid at the NFL level so they're wanting to have those multiple skills and be able to develop earlier at wide receiver you're also seeing, especially in Texas, this is happening where you're you're going up against a spread offense that the score is going to end up being 56 to 49. And nobody wants to be that defensive back, that 17 year old defensive back trying to ask a girl to homecoming after some wide receiver went out and put 250 and three touchdowns on him. They want to be the guy doing that. And so, I mean, but it's real. We laugh and it's funny, but it's real because that's really happening. And, and it's high school offenses are understanding more more comfortable with quarterbacks throwing the ball having these schemes that can create the space for these wide receivers and it's even flowing down into uh, eighth grade seventh grade i go yeah. back when i when i i had talked to denny carter a little bit on on just kind of teasing back and forth on twitter but i coached flag football a couple of years ago for like f f um like fifth graders or so. And a lot of the, the coaches there are worried about running reverses and whatnot. And I let my kids 
my first practice, I let them go out and play and I wouldn't see how they play. And and because I remember being a kid, we'd throw the ball around at recess all day long. But then you get into organized football and the, the adults would only let you run the ball. But I wanted to see these kids play. And I asked them, like, who plays Madden? And everybody's like, well, I play Madden. And to watch them play, they're throwing the ball around. And I was like, hey, let's go. We're going to run a spread offense. We're going to have some RPOs in here. We're going to be throwing the ball. And like we were about the only team in the league that like we were throwing it about every play because why not? These kids do it at recess. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you know what? It's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's gotta be freeing for them. I mean, because I, when you're talking about, when you're talking about, you know, especially in flag football, you want to get the go, you get, you want to get your best athlete. It's like shortstop in baseball. You want to get yeah. the best athlete, get the ball in his hands. If, the, if, if nobody's there, take off and run. So that will, no, it's, it's kind of like Lamar, you know, if you could get some, you know, kind of like a fifth grade Lamar Jackson out there or something yeah. like that. So uh, love it, love it, love it. Okay. So I got a Bill's question for you. We're going to be getting into the receivers is there, you know, and they're picking in the, in the twenties, I forget which number. And I, I think I just saw a, uh, a mock draft where they uh, where Daniel Jeremiah had them trading up to number 21 is in in the range that they that they're getting knowing who's who's going who could be going in that range who who would be your dream to to kind of go there and kind of pair with Stefan Diggs and maybe take o- take over as the wide receiver one down the line Troy Franklin would be my dream, oh, uh, the yes. wide receiver oh from Oregon. Um, I think that that player is – you have the verticality that he can utilize Josh Allen's arm. Like that that's, would be a deep threat that Josh Allen simply has never had, and he's gotten a lot of development, especially this past year in his game, to work a little bit more underneath to kind of be that number one wide receiver. And so he kind of is getting mocked around in that range. I, I don't know. I'm seeing mocks with him out of the first round, and to me, like you have a, a kid that – He's a junior. He's an early declare. He was incredibly productive. He broke Oregon school records at a wide receiver. He's six foot three, and he's potentially going to run a four four sub. That player is not falling out of the first round. I'm sorry. No, I mean, it, there's got to be so many. I mean, I know people want to be building in the trenches and everything like that, but no, that's that, if he falls there. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna join. I'm gonna I'm gonna text you immediately and be like, okay, how much are you celebrating right now? So yeah. that that's gonna be good times. That that is oh that 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 would be good. Oh, can you just imagine Josh Allen's big arm throwing to him? Oh, It'd be beautiful. oh, that'll we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, yeah that that oh that'd be phenomenal. Love it, love it. All right, so I love this next part. So let's get into let's get into the receivers, the rookie okay. class, Ballyhooed rookie class, and we're gonna start in your neck of the woods right there, Marvin Harrison Jr. So coming out of the Ohio State University, uh, you know the the school the school you love. Gosh, I mean six four two oh five. I know we'll get the measurements officially later, but I mean they're talking we're talking about generational talent but i'm gonna lay I'm, I'm giving you the floor on this one because i know he's the one you've watched as much what are you so excited about him at the next level his ability to work intermediate to deep um, is where he really stands out in his ability to create separation in in vertical routes and create separation downfield he's a really easy separator he's he's very technical um, wide receiver and, and that really stands out I and mean, you watch him play and and i my joke is that this is a player that has been around nfl wide receivers his entire life because well he has been because his dad is one so um, and there are so many plays on his highlight reel where you'll see um you watch a lot of football i watch a lot of football there there are certain things that you see on a field that okay well that that quarterback threw that ball away like i've seen that a million times he threw that ball away but then like, wait a minute. Like how he caught it. Like, how did he do? Like he got a foot down. Like, wait, how, like, how did this happen? Like, and it's, it's, it, you know, as you watch players, there's these just few rare players that have that ability in your mind to, to do things that are just so far outside of what you normally see happen. And so Marvin Harrison Jr. has that ability. He, he's exceptional body control. And, and so the ability to work the sidelines, the ability to work vertical, the ability to work in the intermediate game, I think he's maybe still developing a little bit in the quick game. I don't know that he 
he can create with the ball in his hands, but he's net. I mean, he's definitely not going to be like a tank Dell or somebody like that, where he just kind of one of these water bug guys that do, does that, or even like a Rasheed Rice that brings the power behind it. I don't know that he's all the way there, and I don't right. know that you want to use him in those areas because the value that he can create downfield or in the intermediate game. And isn't it like, you know, he's so tall and he's such a long strider. Uh, it doesn't, it seem like how it doesn't look like he's running that fast, but all you do is see him running away from defenders. And that yeah. to me is just, I, it, there's such an effortlessness to the, to the way he plays. I, I think it's, I, I, I okay. Uh, I'm not going to ask you this about everybody. Uh, cause I know you, you comped them to Larry Fitzgerald, but do you have a dream spot that you want him to land? Knowing that it's he's not going to last very long. I mean, realistically, probably Arizona is the nicest one. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's probably the realistic spot. But to be able to go in there and depending on what happens with Hollywood Brown and free agency, to step in with Kyler Murray at quarterback and feel good about the quarterback that you have there, having Trey McBride to be able to play off him as well. And so I think that that's probably the most realistic best landing spot relative to whatever else could be on the board. I mean, talk about the Chargers, and, and they're certainly going to have Justin Herbert there, but I mean, I'm mean, i a little bit concerned about the volume, frankly, of the passing game relative right. to what we've seen Jim Harbaugh as coach, whereas I think with Kyler Murray, it's going to be there, uh, and that gives you a high-end quarterback to be able to play with. I mean, there's maybe a pie-in-the-sky scenario where the Bears take Caleb Williams and then they are able to maneuver their way back up oh, to grab wow. Marvin Harrison Jr. too, and to be able to pair Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. together would be quite a bit of fun. Um, but really, just making sure that he lands with a quarterback that can give yes. him that high upside is, is what I, my hope. Like, I'd you know, I don't want him in division, but I don't want him in New England just because what's that quarterback situation going to look like if they were to decide to draft him with the third pick and then explore quarterback later in the draft or look at other other avenues. I would not love that. Yeah, you, you, me, and Matt Harmon, uh, who, who was, he's like, yeah, he does not want to see him in in New England. So please, 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 no, just get get him get him with a quarterback. Now, um, I think I think you you put in the prospect guide he's the 102 in super in superflex right and super yeah flex, he's, i believe so and i think some of that maybe a little bit of uncertainty around Jaden daniels i think Jaden daniels is a player that could potentially push him to move down if we've loved the landing spot that he lands in um, but yeah i think that when you look at the safety at the position and i think that that's one of the the big things that I mean, I personally learned that when you flash back to two years ago, I did a couple of rookie drafts before the draft and I was particularly high on Malik Willis, but I knew I felt very yeah. good about Garrett Wilson being an NFL player. And so I think especially when you're looking early, just be safe, like early, as safe as you possibly can be early in your rookie drafts. And that's really what Marvin Harrison Jr. delivers. He delivers that safety in an early pick. And so to be able to take him at the 102 to feel good about that. It's, it's one of those, it's, it's delicate balance between swinging for the upside, swinging for positional value and super flex at a quarterback position relative to just, I can plug this guy in and I know he's going to be a wide receiver one on my dynasty roster for the next 10, 12, 15 years or whatnot. And I've got that, I've got that quandary in a, in a league where I do, I could use some youth at quarterback, but I'm probably going to, I'm, I'm probably going to pull the trigger on, on Marvin Harrison Jr. So love it. Love it. Um, okay. We're going to the Pacific Northwest on the next one. Uh, Roma Dunze. I know you've got Malik neighbors. I just, I, you know, I played with the order a little bit. Um, we're going to be mostly, mostly in the order on this one. Uh, I, you know, I, I admittedly, I do a lot of my, my, uh, I, I really start my college scouting, you know, kind of like uh, late November, you know, when the conference, you know, the, the conferences start to have their championship games, the big, you know, the big games happen, the rivalry games happen. Uh, Roma Dunze, I got to see him probably more than everybody else, obviously, because he played in the college football championships. I, I, I really, I fell in love with him. So I, I, I wanted, I, I want kind of like your, your, your thoughts where, where you see him uh, kind of at the next level. He's a big guy, six, three, over 200 pounds. He's good. He's great in contested catches, but I'd, I'd love your kind of like your assessment. What makes him special? 
He's a deceptive athlete. Like first yeah. off, I mean, you mentioned the size, six foot three, two fifteen. He's a, he's a guy that could be low four fours, and and he doesn't. I mean, he looks at it in the sense that he's able to win vertically rather easily, but he yeah. doesn't really look at when he's moving on the field. You you don't exactly pick that up, and you kind of mentioned that with Harrison too. Like some of these guys that are bigger guys that um, they they're just not. Sometimes when you see an Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco and like, well, I, I always joke with Isaiah Pacheco of like, I can't actually tell if he's fast or if he's just moving fast. But <laughs> no, it's it's kind of one of those things that you have the opposite in the spectrum and guys make it look so easy. Um, he can really work after the catch. And one of the things Washington did well with him was use him where I where I mentioned that I'm a little bit concerned about Harrison Jr. developing as a shorter player i think that i have less concerns on odunze just relative to the way that washington used him in in their offense a lot of the stuff they used him in was the shorter game get the ball in his hands allow him to create or allow him to to attack vertically little bit concerned in the sense of you played on a very talented team uh, relative to having you know jalen mcmillan and having jalen polk both going to be nfl wide receivers having michael Penix, and so kind of how much of it is him and how much of it is the system. I think most of it's him. Um, and so I think that he does bring that skill set into the NFL level, but it, there's like that little creeping doubt in the back of your mind relative to maybe some, what the other, some of the other guys were able to produce. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm really hoping a landing spot. I mean, it, it um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I hope the chargers stick at five and grab him uh, though. I, I do have the, also thought that they're going to grab an offensive lineman and just kind of, which I always love building through the offensive line, but man, this would be so nice. This would be so nice to see him there. Um, yeah. I just, I love his game. I love, you know, and I, I love his work in the intermediate in, in the yeah. intermediate part of the field. So that, that is awesome. Yeah. But also intermediate part of the part of the field. Another guy I fell in love with was Malik neighbors. Um, I know you're high on him. One of the things that's, that struck me and I, and I actually went to Twitter and just kind of watched uh, I, I, and it was just one play on each. And it just so happened that it was they, that he, and uh, cause I wanted to see kind of like what he, how he moved compared to Jamar chase. Cause they're almost the same size, six foot, about 200 pounds. And uh, there was a play that just, I mean, it, it just started with a pass to the left and they just kind of like ran, ran through the, ran through the, the defense and it just so happened. It was very similar. I know you haven't comped uh, to someone else, but uh, what, you know, the, the Malik neighbor, I mean, the LSU offense was so fun and it was because of Malik neighbors. I'd love to hear what you think. So, so Marvin Harrison jr. Is a little bit like smooth jazz. I think music when you watch him, the way that he moves, Malik Neighbors is like if you're familiar with the Pixies, the way the stop yes. start, the like the immediate like power and like kind of one of those like get you off balance. You know the way that Kurt Cobain kind of grew out of that and the the early Nirvana type stuff is like I feel like that's Malik Neighbors as a wide receiver where he just has it's just like this herky jerky explosion. It's just it's it's very fun to watch and it's kind of I don't know how strong of a technically receiver is because he's just able to go from it feels like standing still to moving 60 miles per hour like that just that immediate pop that uh, is very very rare and so um, his ability to create with the ball in his hands his ability to open it up and separate vertically um, definitely has that in spades and and so it's I like him quite a bit in terms of and, and I said this and and my I do the Thursday night audible live with Matt Waldman he was on it early but I kind of mentioned it too that neighbors could easily be a better fantasy wide receiver than Marvin Harrison Jr. When you look at the current, the way the current NFL is structured and the way that they want to get the ball in these guys' hands and allow them to create, to be able to stack that volume, to be able to stack those 13 to 15 targets or whatever it might be within a game. We talk about Puka Nakua early in the show, and that's a player that brings a tremendous amount of physicality to the wide receiver position. Neighbors has some of that as well, but on a high, much higher level explosion. And so it's, it's, he's a very, very fun watch, very, very fun player. He has that, um, that, that great ability. And again, like I, I just, I go back to it in my mind of like just kind of that early 90s, late 80s, like just that stop start, like, like rock, alt rock, rock, roll yep. music. Like when I watch him play, it feels like. Oh man, you you remind another another band that uh, remind me of is the Violent Femmes who did that. Yep. So yeah. yeah, I can totally see that. I can totally. Can you imagine him like 
on you know on the you know on a on a team that on a dome team and just yeah. i mean how fun that would be if he ended up like i mean i don't i don't think he'll last to indianapolis or something like that but something like that you know a, a team that that uh plays on the fast on the fast track i think it, i think it could really be i mean it actually could be the chargers so it could it could be something yeah. like that so he's he's definitely gonna be going off in that range i oh yeah he's so fun he's so fun well let's get him into his teammate brian thomas uh lsu a, a taller guy another you know about the same height as marvin harrison jr i you know watching i, I got to watch them back to back and uh it, it was to me it was amazing uh you know watching dedicated highlights on one and then dedicated highlights on the other one very different receivers but both just incredibly fun to watch i mean what, what how great uh compliment is he and what you know, at the next level, he is that prototype six foot four. Where, where, what are, what are the things that you're looking for him at the next level? You mentioned your show notes. I had it in the rookie guide, his basketball background. And so like there, there's, you know, there, there are players that a lot of these, a lot of these guys are multiple sport athletes, which you love to see, especially at the wide receiver position, they're going to be multiple sport athletes, but he is legitimate, like could have gone to SEC schools, Florida, Texas A&M on a basketball scholarship. And so I think that when you, one of the things that you see with bigger receivers is, um, I don't. I don't know if lumbering is a fair way to say it, but these guys, they don't yeah. move the way that uh, these smaller receivers do. Whereas Brian Thomas moves like a wing in a basketball, like, it, you know, he's like that six foot four, six foot five. He moves like the, that shooting guard or like the small four that's able to operate on the perimeter and be able to explode at the rim and, and be able to, to juke somebody out of their shoes, like type movement that you don't really know that you see a lot in the bigger body NFL wide receivers. I mean, you, you're thinking like, look at the senior bowl, a guy like Johnny Wilson and Johnny Wilson is six foot seven. So there's a slight size difference, but he's right. just kind of, I hesitate to say lumbering because I don't want to come off as a bad commentation, but he's just not moving in the same way that, that Brian Thomas's rare, rare movement. You look back last year to a guy like Quentin Johnston has a little bit more of that stiffer hip movement. He's got the explosion, but he's not, it's just Thomas is much more fluid of an athlete. And so that he brings that to his size and the ability to work vertically downfield, to go up and get balls, to be able to create windows and, and to be able to um, really create after the catch, even as along with that, with a very, very tremendous size. And so um, it, he's a, he's a tough player to peg because I'd love to see what his testing comes out of, because this could be yeah. one of those guys that ends up, top 15 whereas he's landing later first round in mocks right now i think there are a couple wide receivers that are landing typically later first round in mocks that have a tremendous opportunity at the combine to be able to push themselves up in in relative to the next tier no and and you talked about the leaping ability there was i mean there were times where it was just not fair when he's going up against like a 510 uh, 5'10 cornerback and then all of a sudden he just i mean he's just going he he's going above the rim and just grab i mean just grabbing the high pointing the ball and grabbing it it's just like yeah you, you just knew it's going to be a tough i love your comp of roy williams so that that's a really good one uh, that's a really good one familia not the roy williams who coached at kansas and north carolina no the football troy roy williams. or the cowboy or the <laughs> Not the not the safety that was uh, <laughs> tackling people. No, not him. Not right. him. <laughs> oh, thank you for the laugh, Gamiwa. Thank you for the laugh. So, uh, well, you you kind of teased this one uh, earlier, talking about the Bills. Troy Franklin, another guy in a fun, fun offense. I mean, that the Oregon the Oregon Washington game was just. I mean, just seeing all those wide receivers, that great those great wide receivers. I, I'm sure you just had a blast watching that game. Uh, what this guy you talked about him a little bit but uh kind of what are you looking for what else are you looking forward to with him um just the the you know i did mention the explosion and the yes. high level athleticism um i think that one of the things that when when i watch troy franklin 
play at the college level, you can, there are certain players that you can tell that defensive back is absolutely terrified to go up and get yeah. like just watching and, and it just stands out. It is so stark that you can just tell that these corners are terrified to go up against Troy Franklin because his vert, he can just beat you. He's so fast and he's great, great feet. And, and so that's the, the big thing on him. And, and he's very young. He's still developing. And so he's able to uh, good, strong route runner. And, and I think that, you know, I, I see a lot um, mentioning about his, his strength, but then like I watched the tape and I'm thinking to myself, well, I'd like to see him make some contested plays or anything like that. And then you stop and you realize, but the defenders eight yards away from him. Like, what am I doing? Like, this is not, that's not normal movement. Like the <laughs> defender is not normally trailing a guy 12 yards behind every single time or giving a guy 10 yard cushion because he's terrified of that happening. And so it's like, as much as I see out there talking about um, his, his lack of strength, it's, it's just that. And one of the things that we talked about at the very start of the show, the way that the, the game has changed, like, yeah, sure. If an NFL cornerback gets their hands on him, sure, maybe it could be trouble for him. But at that same time, if that NFL quarterback tries to get his hands on him and misses, it is six points and you're putting it up like and you forget about it. And so because of that, you're going to see a tremendous amount of respect paid to him, I think, when it comes to even the NFL level and the the ability to allow to use him in, in the short and intermediate games to get the ball in his hands to create in that sense, because as soon as that defender comes up and tries to test him, he gives a little juke and, and he is out the back door and it's going to be six points. And and so it's going to be, it's re- really going to be interesting to see because again, like the big, big knocks I have on him, I, I think he plays his way out of it. And then athleticism plays his way out of it. Speed, just pure raw speed plays his way out of it. And also having that size too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? You had me when you talked about, you know, wanting to see him in an Eric Coriel's type of scheme. So that was just to see, oh, to see him in a bombs away kind of offense like that. That would, oh, I know that I know that a lot of times defenses are trying to, you know, uh, you know, kind of like curtail the deep yeah. ball. But if, yeah. if they could, if they could really, you know, get, get on a team that really utilizes that, like, like with a big arm guy like Josh Allen, oh, to get, you know, sign me up sign me up. I'm drafting. I'm, I'm drafting him as one of my wide receivers that I want to, that I want to get. So love to see it. Love to see it. Um, All right. So you, you, you talked about this guy in a little bit in a second ago, Xavier worthy coming in, uh, coming out of Texas. I think you mentioned that you you thought that he might be the fastest guy uh, running or if not, or one of the fastest guys running at the combine. I just, I, I, he was one of my favorite guys to watch uh, after the big three, because it just looked, uh, it, it, there, it just looked like special speed. Uh, and again, effortless, effortless, long stride speed. Um, you know, you, you, you talked a little bit about how Devonta Smith has kind of like changed the paradigm a little bit where, you know, the, the, the lanky, the, the, the skinny wide receivers, Los Flacos, not, not Joe Flacco, the Flacco in, in, in Spanish. Uh, how is, is this kind of like the perfect time for him to be coming into the NFL and not be overlooked because of BMI? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and yeah, you mentioned it. He's another player. The athleticism stands out. The deep speed stands out. He, he was able to win vertically immediately as a freshman. I think it's, it's kind of, we occasionally run into these players that are so good as freshmen that where, where we want to see them go. And if they don't get to the point where we want to see them go, they get knocked when it's maybe not fair because maybe they are really just good and, and, like it's kind of one of those things of you think you have linear progression in your mind and sometimes progression is not linear and sometimes they come in very good and they're able to carry that through. And so I think that um, I would say I'm seeing more nitpicks on Xavier worthy maybe than about any other player because um, maybe the numbers didn't look good in his deep ball. But when you watch the university of Texas play, like how many times was Quinn Ewers missing a guy vertically and, and that quite often. And he looked pretty good early on as a freshman making a couple plays downfield and so i think that that ability is certainly there that speed that you talk about he's very very fits very well in the modern nfl i think he easily projects there as you watch him 
he's in the guy that you can easily imagine him playing on Sundays in the games that we're seeing now with the, these lighter wide receivers and the, especially the guys that can beat you with speed. And, and I can see why, you know, when watching someone like this, how gassed up you are about this, uh, about this draft class, because it's just like, I, I, I could see so many of these guys going in the first round and just, yeah. and being, and being contributors. It's, you know, if not immediately, but at some point during the season. And I, and I think worthy is definitely one of them because of the size. I mean, Devonta Smith was very good as a rookie. And, uh, I, I think that, I think this could be, I, I, I want to see him in, in, God, I want to see him in a good system. I'm trying to remember who you had had him all oh, favorite spots going to. Well, yeah, the Carolina Panthers could definitely use him. Oh man, can you imagine? And, and I, I, you also mentioned the uh, the Atlanta Falcons with the, you know Zach Robinson doing what he's going to do with with the team. So I think that that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, that'd be so much fun. So in my, I have a mock that I'm working on right now that I'm going to be releasing next week. I haven't gone to the Kansas City Chiefs, so. Oh. Why do you do that to yourself? Why do you do that to yourself? Come on, man! punishment. <laughs> self torture, self torture. I, I, you know, hey, you know what? At some point, at some point, Josh Allen is too good not to get into, not to, not to get you into a Super Bowl. I know, I, I know, uh, Patrick Mahomes is up to this point indefatigable, indefatigable, unless it's, uh, unless it's uh, Joe Burrow in, in a in a great in a great game or John Brady, but. Uh, no, Josh Allen's going to get there. So yeah. Oof, yeah. Well, uh, so I want to ask you about, about this next guy who I got to, I got to watch him pretty closely in, uh, the, in the game against, uh, um, uh, Washington. against Washington in the, in, in the college football playoff. I really love the way Adonai Mitchell moved. Um, again, another big guy, just, I mean, if it looked like he had great feet, I know there's something, some, some things to be ironed out that uh what 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 but what could be his potential when he gets when he gets to the next step you, you know and it, this was a player that on first pass a lot of what you see is really just kind of used strictly as a vertical player but then once you dig in and you see a little bit more out out there he is a very strong route runner for his size and and it's um he played on a Georgia team that was just extremely talented for early in his career. And he dealt with multiple injuries too. And so those kind of things held him back, I think a little bit, but um, the biggest thing that stands out for me on Adonai Mitchell is that um, I think he's played in five college football football playoff games. He caught touchdowns in all five of those games. And, And I think that there are players and I've talked with him about him before where if they continue to show up in big games and big moments and making big plays, those are kind of the guys that I circle a couple times and saying, you know, there, there's something going on here. There's something a little bit next level going on here because it doesn't to do that over and over again, doesn't randomly happen. And, and one, it, it says, to what the team team really truly believes in him but two it says that his ability to deliver in those situations and and he is a player that has done that and so uh, again a player that i think can win downfield but a, a developing player that can really turn in the short and intermediate games and i think like i said i think there's a little bit more there than he's been able to show just relative to the team structure that he's been in and kind of some of the situations that he's been in but immediately stepping into Texas and really for all the buzz on worthy and for worthy being there and understanding the system. When Texas came into gotta have it moments this year, I don't know. Mitchell was the guy that they were going yes. to in those gotta have it moments. And I think that that says something quite a bit. Yeah. Cause I think he scored the touchdown that, that got them close against Washington in the, he in, did. In the and then game. at the end of the game, they were the guy that he was the guy that they threw a couple passes to in the end zone. And he wasn't able to bring them down, but yeah, he was the guy that they were going to, to try to close that game out. No, that's such a great call. That's such a great call. Yes. Another, another guy. Yeah. I'm going to be very intrigued to see what he does at the next level because uh, hopefully he gets into a, in, into a situation where he gets a lot of opportunity. Could you see him, uh, you know, uh, Late first round, early second round, or or could be yeah, could be solidly. Him, so I've got him at thirty eight to Tennessee in my mock. Would that be um, Tennessee kind of investing in offensive line in the first round, and then turning around and pairing him with Will Levis's big arm um, is kind of where I'm landing there. And we know Tennessee loves those big wide receivers. 
Oh, that yeah, with that big arm, just yeah. Offensive line, give him time. So you know, <laughs> Bill Callahan, work on that offensive line. So get get there. So uh next one. Senior bowl dandy, Lad McConkey. Uh now I want to challenge you. I know you I know you gave Julian Edelman as a comp for him. So um I wanna uh, I I you know I I, I don't want to like go, you know, because he's a white guy to give him a white guy comp. So <laughs> uh, Ray Garvin at, at one point uh, mentioned the possibility of him maybe growing into an Amon Ross St. Brown. Can you see something like that? Because he's got he's got such a he's got something to him that's that 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 could really translate. I think I've seen about eight players compared to Amon Ross St. Brown this rookie cycle already. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's it's not. Yes, so the skin color between Lad McConkey and Julian Edelman are both the same. But but right. really kind of what comes down to it is similar, me though. on that Lad McConkey comparison to Julian Edelman. McConkey was a high school quarterback and yes. Mike he was a high school quarterback, he was a high school running back too. And so he was kind of one of those guys that went he was at a very very small school and just they were like let's give the ball to Lad and let's let him make something happen. And so Julian Edelman being a quarterback when he was at Kent State in the MAC, that's kind of like that natural kind of that progression from a player that has played quarterback understands it from that sense and then translates that into wide receiver and it's really that McConkie is just an awesome awesome story so he grew up kind of right in between University of Tennessee and University of Georgia and like almost dead middle and he just loved Tennessee wanted to desperately wanted to go to Tennessee he was going to go he did not get offers from anybody and he was going to go to I believe it was Tennessee State I might be wrong on that but it was a, it was a smaller school in Tennessee um, and and then Todd Munkin just happened upon him and and he basically told Kirby Smart that hey this guy is a slot in my offense and we've got an extra scholarship I want to put this guy as a slot in my offense and I want to see what he can do and he he is just delivered over and above that and, and I think that it's traditionally you don't see slots in first round consideration because really you're kind of wanting those receivers that can win in multiple formation can kind of line up outside inside whatnot he has that ability to win downfield and so that's even i'd put that over above what amon ross st brown was carrying in his ability to win downfield uh, but he is kind of that traditional slot receiver but he can handle a lot more volume than what he saw at georgia just given the structure we talked about it with adonai mitchell the structure of that offense that they were stepping into the amount of depth of talent that they had on that team but also the way they just love to run the ball the way they love to spread the ball out and how many 70 to nothing games they were playing in because they were steamrolling teams so um now it's it's um uh, it has it's a lot more the the journey and the the understanding and the background and and kind of the profile there than um any sort of you know if i were going to be lazy i'd comp him to cooper cup so oh yeah yeah that yeah i would not have allowed that one because he's like four inches shorter than cooper cup so that 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 i would not not uh, okay i i the more I think about it, yeah, and the more I thought about it, I, I challenged you. But you know what? It makes sense. They, you know, they, they both they both like to be physical, and they, you know, and and it's just, and, and they live in the slot. I I could see Lad McConkey getting, you know, uh, you know, way over a hundred targets. Um, but yeah, Edelman could beat you outside too, and Edelman could beat you downfield too, and yeah. that's one of the things that um, I think you get lost a little bit, maybe. But he was, he he had that, he carried that athleticism through. But really, it's a high level understanding of just um, offense, football, and just the offense in a whole, and how everything kind of functions together. And I did love, you know, kind of like the spotlight he got on the uh, at the Senior Bowl. But on top of it, I mean, not that he needed much of it because Georgia, you know, Georgia was always playing against good teams and, and he was burning, you know, really good defenses. So uh, awesome. Uh, and by the way, not related to Phil McConkey, the, the old New York, New York Giants. So remember that for me. Yeah. So uh, one of the places. But uh, Roman Wilson. You talked about him a little bit earlier about what what he could do at the uh, at the at the combine. Uh, interesting that you know it was not a high volume high, high pass volume def, uh, offense uh, with Michigan. The things that you really really liked about him. 
toughness um, is where a lot of it is. And he, yeah, he's just a very, very tough player. Um, and, and he had comments after the Ohio State game, but basically we're tougher than they are. And, and I think that that's, um, you know, bringing that in and, and the athleticism is, is big and he definitely has that in spades. But this is a player that he, he really stood out to me a couple of years ago. And, and before, like, the major production was really there and, and uh, college fantasy was kind of overlooking him. There wasn't the, those types of things until he had this massive year this past year with touchdown luck. Um, he, he just has the speed to be able to win vertically but he when you really look at him and i was surprised the way that he weighed in he weighed in at 185 because when you look at him he looks like a running back like on his build almost he's he's just very thickly built and and he is uh, that's the thing of like i i see this as a player that despite being that player that can be that guy that can win downfield he's he's gonna block somebody he's gonna knock somebody's helmet off and and kind of He's not afraid to be that physical player there. And so that's you you bring kind of the roll that whole package together uh, and it creates a really, really just fun football player. No, I think I think I think you're right. I think, uh, again, get him into the get him into the right system. Uh, it, it, it could be it could be fun. I mean, yeah, you had Casey, Baltimore and Atlanta as as potential as interesting landing spots for him and that. Any of those could be fun. Uh, I can imagine him playing off of Zay Flowers in Baltimore. That would just be oh, that 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 would that would be fun, fun, fun. So uh, the next one, I've seen him. I've seen this guy range all over the place. Uh, I, I think Bucky Brooks had him at number four. Uh, so had him at number thirteen. Another Keon Coleman, another big, another big long strider. Um, you know, but again, you had him. Yeah, I'm at 13. I mean, uh, it's obviously talking about the the strength of his class because um, he's very talented. And, and again, big guys. You, you love you love those big guys. Um, kind of tell me, kind of like pros and cons with him. I think it's interesting. Um, so as you kind of look at, we're trying to straddle the line really when it, when we're right. doing the rookie guide between what a guy like Bucky Brooks is trying to do, but also deliver action, actionable fantasy advice. And right. I think that when you you're a Bucky Brooks and you're strictly looking at projecting to the NFL and especially relative to the potential draft capital, a player could get Keon Coleman is the type of player that usually goes in the first round of the NFL draft these bigger wide receivers that um, have a certain level of explosion, but there's not a lot on his game that suggests to me that he's going to be a high volume fantasy asset that that's kind of where my concern on it. Um, um, I, I don't know that I see the in, involvement at multiple positions or levels of the field kind of more. I think he's a little bit more of a limited player potentially, but still the type of player that NFL teams talk themselves into and love quite a bit is bigger wide receivers that, you know, just a rare athlete for his size but it's it's just how much of that translates to fantasy production is my relative concern on Keon Coleman. And I'll probably be wrong, and you can probably clip this in a year, and Keon Coleman is Puka Nakua, and everybody's saying, <laughs> well, that Jeff Bell does not know what he's talking about. But, um, no, that's that's just kind of what I took away from it. Uh, you know what? I mean, obviously he has talent, but you know what? Just watching him, uh, I mean, he doesn't move as fast as Xavier Worthy. So yeah. I, I, and that, and that's, and they're similar in height. So uh, I think that that's going to be one of the things that I I'm, I'm very, I'm very intrigued with this one. I, I've heard a lot of people talk about, they can't wait to see how fast he runs. Uh, I've heard multiple people talk about that. So uh, that, that could be very interesting. Of course, Puka didn't run a, a very fast either. And we yeah. saw, we saw what happened there. Um, okay. So we, we, we hit 10 receivers. Uh, I'm, any anybody we haven't talked about that 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 uh, you're excited that you could get excited about in the, in the right landing spot? Malik Washington from Virginia. He was inside my top ten. That's a yeah. player that um, I, I think he can step in and be a high level slot, but also the ability to work outside, the ability to win downfield, uh, be able to, the ability to create after the catch. He's he's a lot of similarities in my mind to Jaden Reed from. Um, Green Bay from Michigan State. I think that there are some similarities there in terms of 
um, toughness, athleticism in terms of production. His one year at Virginia led the NF- led the NCAA in receptions. Um, so I'm curi- really curious to see what he does at the combine and where his ultimate capital and landing spot is. Small school, I want to shout out Jacob Coker because that's a player that can absolutely light up the combine from Holy Cross. Um, Ryan Flournay, he's an older prospect, but I'm really interested and intrigued in him. Um, just some of these other you know, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saints, another combine guy, but mm. I think that that's another player that NFL teams are going to value higher than what the coming out of maybe the Debbie community is going to have that valuation on. Um, I've seen him compared to Jonathan Mingo in, in fantasy circles. I don't know that that's fair, but I think he's a better athlete than Mingo potentially. Um, but I think he's might be a more natural football player than Mingo too. So I am kind of curious to see where those types of players shake out. There's really, um, you know, you talk about Coleman, I think it really, for me, there's a definitive line after Roman Wilson. And then you kind of step into just a group of about six to eight guys that I think can really catch that D2 capital and, and be able to position themselves if they land in the right spot. I love it. I love it. Well, speaking of guys who've landed in the right spot, uh, I want to, I want before we get into one, one non-wide receiver, but year, year two wide receivers, we talked about this a little bit last year, but there were uh, some, some good breakouts. Obviously we talked about Puka, Rashi Rice, Zay Flowers, could there be, you know, and, and there are a couple, a few others. Um, could there be guys who didn't break out last year and uh, that that could be getting that year two bump? And obviously, I'm setting up your your Ohio setting up setting up your Ohio State guy to t- uh, right now for that. Yeah, absolutely. Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think it's certainly under consideration for that. He, I think the talent was there. I think you watch, watch the games. He certainly flashed when given opportunity. Um, I think, you know, what's going to happen with Tyler Lockett. I mean, no, right. certainly long-term Tyler Lockett's not going to be there long-term, but even his, the way his contract sets up, there's a chance that Tyler Lockett could not even be there next year. And so that could really position Jackson Smith and Jigba to take a major step forward. I'm trying to run through and see if there's any guys that I'm missing potentially. Um, maybe a Marvin Mims. I don't know. He oh, had yes. Like he can come, kind of come out. Maybe a guy like a Cedric Tillman with the Browns. He was on the field a little bit, but they were really looking for that supporting wide receiver. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned Quentin Johnston before. I'm, I'm not crushing Quentin Johnston the way that many are. I think that, um, yeah, I think there were concerns about him being more of a developmental wide receiver that was a little bit limited on his route tree coming into there. And I think that if he has the right attitude and brings the physicality for a Jim Harbaugh offense, I think he could be the really the type of guy that Jim Harbaugh really loves at the wide receiver position. You look at in this year's class, Cornelius Johnson being kind of that that type of player. You think mm. back to Nico Collins and Donovan Peoples-Jones being at Michigan, those types of players for Jim Harbaugh, those bigger more explosive wide receivers that uh, are able to block, able to do some of those things. And so certainly you're not going to get any points unless you're in a really inventive John Bosch type league for Quentin Johnston blocking on the field. But I do think that there are things that he can bring to being an NFL wide receiver that I'm not ready to just completely toss him out yet. Adios mio, John Bosch leagues. Oh my goodness! Shout out John Bosch, amigo. Yeah, keep 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 challenging us. Keep challenging us. So uh, yeah, I'm not ready to I'm not ready to bury Quentin Johnston. I mean, you, you can't do that with a kid who's 22. Um, but I mean, things there there are some. I mean, obviously the drops got to got to fix that. So hopefully, ho- ho- I'm 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 hopeful because I, I hate to see it. Uh, a first round washout, but on number two, I really want to see uh, Justin Herbert to get maximized. So I wanted to ask about one non wide receiver, Brock Bowers. Uh, we've heard generational talent, uh, you know, that some have even said he's better than Kyle Pitts, who was the last generational talent in uh, coming out of uh, coming out of college. What, but Brock Bowers definitely put some tape on there. What, the things that you love to see about him. It, the rare tight end that can create after the catch. Um, right. That's where a lot of it is. They had some involvement in the run game. He's just very 
um, very explosive with the ball in his hands. And so that's kind of, he almost his, he got there on tight end size, but he almost falls into a tweener where he's just not this traditional tight end that you think of. Whereas like if you're to do the straight juxtaposition of a Kyle Pitts, where Kyle Pitts was, you're thinking like, well, this guy could be an outside wide receiver, but he's also playing tight end. Bowers is kind of more that H back type, maybe slot type that can be that a um, little bit more of a deceptive guy that you can get the ball in his hands, give him a screen, those types of plays and allow him to create in that way. And so I uh, think he's got great speed. He's, he's had multiple long touchdown runs that he was clocked very high. So I think bringing that in um, really kind of when you look at the way that some of these tight ends are used now, maybe for periods of the time, the way that Dalton Kincaid had a little bit of lower a dot and kind of used it more, get the ball in his hands a little bit more that type of, of usage. But I really like the idea of getting him into a team that runs a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends and has a little bit more of a traditional inline tight end and really kind of uses him as that hybrid slot type movement tight end. I mean, you hate to mention the name, but like Aaron Hernandez, when you're thinking about Aaron Hernandez, the way that he would play kind of as that H back role as that player right. that you could give the ball in the run game. Like, can we never really got to see that the high end of what he was potentially capable of doing because of the unfortunate circumstances around him, but just kind of like that type of player in mind is where I am with Brock Bowers, maybe a little bit better athlete at that. No, I, th I think it's great. No concerns after seeing the picture of him standing next to Gronk and looking like a high school senior compared to Gronk. I was going to say, other than looking like Adam Harstad from football <laughs> guys, I don't know that I had any real concerns there. I love you, Adam. So shout out there. Shout out, Adam. Uh, salud, brother. Salud. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, man. Amigo, we're going to close up shop, but I, I can't. I, I, I can't uh, uh, close it up without any any recent Mexican food discoveries for you. Corey, you are, I am the worst person to talk about food. So I have yeah. a gluten allergy. And so um, I want, I'm a pretty plain eater anyways. I do like a good queso, but um, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to something like Mexican, what I run into, um, if I can't tell somebody exactly, like I have a gluten allergy right. and if there's any level of like language barrier, I've run into bad situations before. So I'm not very adventurous and unfortunately, and I kind of keep it pretty, uh, plain Jane when it comes to that. I did take my girls. We went sledding on Sunday. We took them out for tacos after that. And so we went to uh, Condano's Tacos here and had some queso and some tacos there. But definitely very, I'm on the the plane, the, the queso and, and chicken type tacos for me. Hey, you know what? That, when you know a good thing, and, and actually, yeah, when there's things that, that when there's limitations, obviously, corn tortillas are are gluten free. So that that yeah, you know, eat those eat those all day. So enjoy, me amigo, enjoy. All right, uh, anything you want to anything you want to plug? One, one more plug for the football familia football guys prospect guide. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. It's gonna get updated. Just keep getting it. But anything else you want to pump? Because you definitely got some good content coming. Yeah, I mean, the Football Guys Prospect Guide. Check out the Football Guys Dynasty show if you like rookie content because we are diving in every single week. We are just kind of hitting the rookie class from a different angle. And we did a full NFL mock draft on our last episode. If you're somebody that is more interested in, in talking about offensive tackles or cornerbacks or whatever it might be, we're trying to really kind of get into the depth of and understanding the class and, and take the take it a little bit further and be able to understand because the way that we can build some of these values on some of these players is to understand where value lies in other positions and where players are going to land within the NFL draft. And so to have that full picture helps you to be able to conceptualize, especially these wide receivers and what we're doing early. One of the big things with these wide receivers is if I can tell you who's going to be in the first round and I can tell you who's going to go day two, there's a lot of value that early in, in dynasty that if you're able to just nail those two types of things. And so kind of looking towards that, um, I mentioned I had a, a redraft forward backward looking that's going to turn into potentially some best ball content here coming up on football guys. Uh, just kind of trying to get as much content as I can as time allows it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yes. That, and and I, I, I enjoy, I so enjoy that podcast that you guys do and, yeah. and, it, and it's, and it's good. It definitely hitting it. This is, this is your season. So this is, this is the, the best time to be jumping in. I mean, I know we gave you snippets here, but you're going to get, you're going to get the whole enchilada when you get the, when, when, when you get with the, the, the football guys dynasty podcast. So, um, amigo, 
Muchas gracias. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Un millón, un millón de gracias. Again, find him at For Whom J Bell Tolls on Twitter. Uh, also, again, on uh, wherever you get your podcasts, get the Football Guys podcast, uh, Football Guys Dynasty podcast. So, uh, gosh. Get, you know, you know, this is the cat, the dynasty captain right here, el capitán. But I also call him el jefe. So, familia, muchas gracias for joining us. Uh, also, remember, get get go to familia FFB on YouTube. Also, if you want to get this on audio, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, go there. So, un, un, otra vez, muchas gracias, Jeff. Muchas gracias everybody for joining us. And remember, todos somos familia. Salud. <laughs>